health care is broken, and the healthcare industry is not going to fix itself. Reconstructing Healthcare is a podcast series where we interview the rebel entrepreneurs working tirelessly to disrupt the health insurance marketplace. Join us as we break down everything that's wrong with the current healthcare system and provide you with a blueprint to create better results. Now, here's your host, Michael Maneri. Hello, this is Michael Maneri, and I want to welcome everyone to the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast. Today, our guest is David Vivero from Amino. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Michael. I appreciate it. You bet, you bet. So here's the game plan. Uh, what we seek to do on, on this show is really challenge the status quo and educate our audience on non-traditional methods to either lower their healthcare costs or improve the value of the healthcare that their employees are getting. Sound like something you like to help with? Absolutely. Yeah, this is what we think about every day. All right. So uh, to get started, just going to read a brief bio about you so our audience has a little bit of context about who they're listening to, and then we'll jump into it. So David Devero is co-founder and CEO at Amino, a healthcare financial wellness benefit that eliminates barriers for employees and their families to access affordable, high-quality medical care. Combining data design and consumer-first thinking, Amino offers guidance features that curate each user's personalized matches for in-network facilities and provides concierge appointment booking with nearly every doctor in America. Prior to launching Amino, David spent a number of years working in venture capital and for disruptive startups in the real estate industry. And David received his undergraduate degree and MBA from Harvard University. How's that for background? Anything else you'd like to add? No, just uh, I, I like to say that I'm new to healthcare, but I've been doing this for about five years now. And so it's some combination of feeling like I've developed some expertise and realizing through conversations like this that I'm still learning something new every day. It's actually one of the most fascinating things about healthcare. I know you've been in it for a while, Michael, so yep. you know what I'm talking about. Let's talk a little bit more about that. You're, you're somewhat new to healthcare. So give us a little bit of your background and you know how you came from really working in real estate startups and venture capital to launching a startup in healthcare. Yeah, well, I think of my career so far as just being fascinated by creation and startups and, and, and building technologies and products. I was inspired to get into healthcare because I was previously an entrepreneur. I'd sold my business to Zillow. I was an executive at Zillow. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur again, and it hit me like a ton of bricks on my last day there. So I got my Cobra notification mm -hmm. and it said, hey, you know, congrats, you're on your own. If you'd like to pay, here's the bill and, and mail it to some PO box in Alpharetta, Georgia. I still had one kind of foot inside of Zillow, one foot out. And so Zillow, where I'd worked and, and you know, especially surrounding a lot of the products that I'd invested in and so forth, really centered on this idea of how can you give someone transparency, empathy, convenience, mm -hmm. and by doing so, actually pull together an audience of consumers who want that sort of thing, no matter what they're doing, and thereby change an industry. And, you know, people take for granted the fact that travel and restaurants and hotels and, and real estate and careers and cars all used to be far more opaque and complex and very frustrating for people. And this is not to say that healthcare is like those things because uh, there's so many nuances among them and especially for healthcare. Sure. But I thought, boy, this feels like something my skill set could be used for paired up with a bunch of, uh, of folks I'd worked with in the past in my previous companies, And we put together Amino. And Amino's vision uh, remains true to this day, which is that we're undergoing a tectonic shift in the American healthcare system. And you see it all the way from presidential executive orders on down to the frustrations of 400-person health plans. Yep. And we think that that is actually precipitating a change in the consumer experience that's necessary for people to be able to succeed. 
And so at Amino, what we're trying to do is deliver the most convenient way for consumers in today's healthcare system to search for, book, and pay for their healthcare, all of which have been completely changed over the last decade. I really like what you just said there. And I don't think I've ever heard anybody put it that way is, is helping consumers succeed. And I think for, for a long time, this healthcare industry really hasn't been focused on the consumer. There's really, they've really been an afterthought, to be honest. You wrote an article a couple of years ago. You, know, you commented on how you, know, you have you know, a unique medical condition. Did that play into your decision to, to launch Amino as well? It did, because what happened was I'm leaving Zillow, and I think the bill, because it was a rich health plan, it was like two, three grand or something like that for Cobra. I don't remember what it was. And yeah. I thought, you know, I'm young and relatively healthy. I was 28 at the time. So, you know, for me to spend almost three grand a month on the COBRA program didn't make any sense. So what I did was I applied on the individual market. And that's when I realized the intersection of my own personal health care and my choices. One, I applied on one of the internet marketplaces. It was like, you know, eHealth or getinsured.com, one of those guys. And I was rejected because I have something called hereditary hemochromatosis which is really not all that big a deal if you take care of it. The way I think about it communicates is, is that it is the opposite of anemia. So my body basically takes in a lot of iron and it has trouble filtering it out. And that's, that's metal, right? That ends up collecting in your organs and stuff like that if you don't give blood and have a hematologist and so forth. Well, that was enough not to get health insurance in 2013. So this is before wow. the pre-existing condition clause kind of went into effect. And so it's sort of adjacent to my discovery around healthcare and why I wanted to do it because I really just got this fascinating tour through the healthcare system in all of about two, three weeks. I went from seeing Cobra and realizing, gosh, you're on your own and the role of my employer in all this. Then I went to the individual market and selected a health plan and found that completely bewildering. And then because I had to get an EPO plan that would finally insure me, I also had to pick a new physician. And so these kinds of big decisions are all related and they're also equally frustrating and inconvenient for people to be able to make. And I thought, you know, you read my educational and professional background. I was like, you know, I feel like I could do something like this. Like I can pick my own health insurance. I can pick a doctor. And I felt completely uh, like I was on Mars. Right. So, so that's really kind of the inspiration. So you'll see at Amino, we're not focused entirely on just trying to help someone make a very specific decision around where to get an MRI. Amino is about thinking about the myriad choices and the experiences that you're going to have in which you're in the driver's seat. And I was in the driver's seat over that two, three week period. And I was just eyes open, you know, ear to the ground thinking about how do I fix this? And it was just a good time for me to have that frustration, I suppose. Yeah. And to a certain extent, driving blind, right? I mean, without a lot of, you know, tools to kind of point you in the right direction. Absolutely. I mean, I'm no longer with that position for a lot of reasons. I, I'm no longer on that plan. Obviously, I'm employed at Amino now and, and we have a health plan. And so, you know, from my perspective, everything, everything just seems so overly confusing. And I didn't have the numeracy or the literacy to be able to navigate it. And none of the information necessary to navigate it was even provided to me easily. So yeah. it took not having a job, basically where I was. It took being unemployed for me to have the hours of the day to devote to doing something like this. You just mentioned the executive order that was, you know, recently, you know, signed by the president, which is kind of demanding more more price transparency um, in our healthcare system. And while it's hard to say what the 
effect of that executive order will be. There was a recent Kaiser Family Foundation Los Angeles Times survey that I think illustrates some of the problems that you're alluding to. And I've got some of the stats here. 67% of American people say it's somewhat or very difficult for them to figure out what a treatment or procedure will cost them. 44% said they had difficulty determining what they would actually have to pay. And 40% had problems figuring out what was even covered. I think there's a lot of things wrong with our healthcare system, but do you think price transparency is, is the answer to d- dissolve or rather to solve our dysfunctional healthcare system? And if not, what else do you think needs to change to kind of stop, you know, runaway medical inflation? It's not, I really don't think it is alone. I think it's a part of it. So if you look at that study, one of the things that's fascinating about that and other research work that's been done is that you combine the fact that people say that they want to know that they're getting high value care that they feel like they deserve to understand the price going into services. But the behavior that you witness among consumers is far more important to witness because there was a study done in the, uh, the journal of the American Medical Association that showed that price transparency got only 10% of people to use it at a large corporation, 3% have used it only twice, and they used it for a relatively limited set of services. services. Health Affairs did a study that was done using a health insurer's approach to health transparency. And it got same thing, just didn't lead to lower healthcare prices. And for the most part, people did not do the thing where they travel across town to get their MRI. These types of services are not plan design and network related changes you can make where you instantly like literally pull a switch and a savings happens. There's this intermediate step mm-hmm. that none of us can lose sight of, which is how do you get people to engage with this in the moment in which they need it and in the format in which they need to receive it. And what I talk about is often, you know, people forget that Facebook wasn't the first social network. Google was like the 17th search engine. Uber was not the first ride sharing app. And what I think is so important from these studies is that we know, and I think in our gut, we know that a thriving market depends on transparency. It doesn't matter what market is, but especially a market which are putting our lives or our pocketbooks at risk. What I'm trying to, I think, communicate in our products at Amino is that it's about wrapping transparency and differences in cost and quality in an experience that actually is enticing, that produces loyalty, that produces trusted action that's coming from people. And so we hinge Mito on a bunch of different components. It includes transparency. We have 12 billion claims. So we see inside of America's doctor's offices and imaging centers and hospitals, how safe they are, how experienced they are, how expensive they are, whether they're in network and so forth. But one of the things that all of those folks got wrong is that they assumed because people say that they want these things, that if we just publish it, literally just puke this data onto a website, And we care not about where that website is. How accessible is it? Does it speak the language of consumers? Is it contextually relevant enough? Are we empowering physicians to make use of it? Then of course, you've got a drug that works, but you keep it in the bottle and you put it in the drawer. That's what we've done with transparency. And so our job is to say, how do we actually make it easier for people to take this prescription? How do we make it easier for people to get the effect by actually using it? And so we've hinged our product on things like online booking. Four out of five people in America are making decisions today in their actions based on where they can get convenient online booking. It's one of the reasons for the rise of urgent care. We incorporate transparency, but we combine that with the convenience of choosing high-value doctors. And that is starting to really resonate with people because they don't want to be educated, inundated, even empowered 
what they want to feel is like they made a good decision and they want to know that they got the information that they deserved, but they don't, aren't necessarily scouring the world and trying to be an expert in these things. So anyway, that's, yeah. that's how I think about the subtleties of that research. That's great commentary. And I especially like the, the analogies of, of the fact that, uh, you know, Facebook wasn't the first uh, social media site and, and Google wasn't the first search engine because for the, for the most part, I think a lot of the first generation, you know, price transparency tools have failed for the most part because the engagement, the engagement was so low, it was putrid, below 5%. And I think you commented on one thing there was that there was an element missing. And so I think that really serves as you know, a good bridge into the amino product and service and, and, you know, what you guys are specifically attempting to solve. So let's, let's kind of jump into that. You know, you, you mentioned it's not just a price transparency tool because that alone is not going to get the job done. So tell us about the, the breadth of the product and what your overall end result or objective is. I think it's important to take a step back. And to say everyone's focused on transparency, partially because of that visceral feeling that information is being held from us sure. and that we deserve to have it. And I totally agree with that. But when you look at the nature of the role consumers are playing, you know, there's a great way to think about internet products and really services and products of all types, which is what job, if you were to write a job description, what job is your product being hired to do? And from our perspective, we think our job is actually helping people succeed financially in healthcare. And it's much broader than transparency. So the way that we've actually envisioned not only what our product is, but the roadmap going forward is what we call, and I think we've really started to develop a category around this, healthcare financial wellness, which is most employers in general are thinking about how do we get people's paychecks to go further? And they're saying, should I put in a student loan reimbursement program? Should I help them with retirement? Should I think about making changes to the 401k match? All those things are part of the experience. Neglecting to realize that one of the biggest drains on people's wallets is actually the healthcare benefit. When you actually, there's a PwC study that was done middle of last year, 22% of all people labeled the medical benefit as the number one blocker to their financial success. Because you take the average American family, half of them has only $500 or less in their pocket or in their account. So you combine that with the fact that you've got a over $1,000 deductible on, Amer- on average in American employed you know, uh, settings. And people are one or two healthcare experiences away from being in debt or bankruptcy. Yep. And that's one of the reasons that $80 billion was borrowed last year at mostly credit card rates to pay down bills. In some cases, people overpaid for or didn't owe in the first place. Oh, it's horrible. So you've got this whole context around not just transparency, but what we think of around personal finance in healthcare. And in America, personal finance in really any category is about how do I spend my money? How do I budget How do I choose a service provider, whether it's an auto mechanic or whether it's the general contractor on my home, whether it's buying a dishwasher? How do I spend my money? How do I save? How do I budget? How do I think about thinking about the long term? How do I invest when I'm buying a home? It's almost always about, is this a good investment at the same time that it's, is this going to be fun for me to like go out and play catch with my kids? So real financial, personal finance challenges are both left brain and right brain. They're thinking long-term and short-term. Transparency is one component of it. So what we've done at Amino is we've created a platform. It is a healthcare financial wellness platform that helps people spend more wisely, Mm -hmm. save more easily, and invest for their future. HSAs are an abomination for people's uh, financial success. 
less than 5% of people are investing. Less than half of people are contributing any money. Two of the statistics that I find most troubling about the first generation of HSAs, if you want to lump them into also, you know, that kind of, you know, Hollywood silent movie that is the first generation of transparency vendors. HSAs, seven in 10 people believe that their user lose it in America. Uh. <laughs> so they blow through it in Q4, like an FSA getting contacts or whatever it is that they're doing, not realizing that that's their money. They could actually grow yeah. it tax-free. Yeah. And more important than that, perhaps, is that 53% of people forego the care that they need because the vendors that they're using or having for HSAs basically communicate to them, keep this money in the account and don't provide useful services to spend. And you've got these really challenging roles where people don't know how to spend wisely, though they should spend, they need to get well, but also right. save more easily, understand all the tools associated with an HSA. So Amino actually combines the Amino Concierge. It's an app that you search for. It's got 12 billion claims. We know who's in network. We, we can connect your telemedicine and so forth. You also get an Amino Visa card in your pocket. And these two products really speak to each other. And they allow someone at the end of the year to be far wealthier and healthier because they've spent less on care they didn't need or didn't have to spend so much on. Mm -hmm. And they save more because they understand the impact of doing so inside of an HSA. And so we think that that's the nature of the problem. That's the job our products have been hired to do. Let's dive into a little bit more of how it works for the consumer. You know, it's an app. Let's just say, you know, I need to find a doctor or for a specific procedure. What am I doing in the app to engage? Well, you know, it comes down to a few things. One is he may already have a doctor. You can use Amino just to book online with your doctor. Even if your doctor had, doesn't even accept online booking, Amino actually provides an assistant in the background. You actually type in, oh, I'm going to Dr. Hurd, who's my kid's pediatrician. We go to the pediatrician, you know, more often than I see, you know, my parents. So I use Amino just to book online with my providers. It really drives up engagement. And one of the reasons that for us, you know, you've got a third to a half of people we engage just for the digital solution alone. Yeah. Um, and that's just searching and booking for new care. Over half the people that use our product are using it to discover new care, like the case that you're talking about. So let's say you were looking for a knee arthroscopy or a spinal injection. That's a case where price transparency doesn't really do it because not only are you dealing about issues of where's the cheapest hospital, to get something like this done. But you're also question, asking questions about quality. You're also asking questions about the setting of care. One of the things that's fascinating about some of these challenges in, in price transparency is that people sometimes don't realize that you can avoid care if you didn't need it by just getting the right type of referral from seeing primary care. Or if you're gonna get that care, get it in an ambulatory surgical center. Of course, you go to yeah. the ASC down the street instead of the hospital, that's better than going to the cheapest hospital. So searching for that is really complicated. With Amino, you just type knee arthroscopy, or you misspell it, or you type knee scope, or you know you type all those sorts of things. We support yeah. synonyms, search engines, et cetera. There are synonyms, abbreviations, acronyms, and so forth. We canvas our 12 billion claims. You're on, say, United or Blue Cross or Cigna. We sure. know what those plans pay the various providers. Mm -hmm. We know the infection rates, the readmission rates, so therefore the safety, really, of those ASCs. We also know which physicians tend most often to operate in that high value setting. You know, one of the things that people may not realize is that you can go pick the same doctor and you get the care on Tuesday, it's in the hospital. If you're the guy who gets the surgery on Wednesday, it's in the ASC and your, your cousin who went the day before is going to spend three times as much. Great. So what we do is we, we go through all of that and in three seconds, 
you see that doctor listed number one, we list him or her as a smart match. Mm -hmm. That means all of these things are true and persuasive. You don't have to do any of the math. You don't need to know what a readmission rate is, especially on a risk adjusted basis. And you just book online like you're using OpenTable. You guys are actually doing it more of a, a curated search to find a, a high quality, lower cost option for whatever the consumer is, is searching for. That's right. People come to our service to know that they got the right result without mm-hmm. ever having to be an expert. So in three clicks, you type in knee arthroscopy. Yep. We already have your location and you complete the search. We know your insurance plan. We know your age and your sex. Yep. We list all the providers, but we give this upper cohort, this upper tier, we call them smart matches. And with something like a surgery, we look at safety and mortality and, and experience and all those sorts of things. Sure. Our users are trained just to pick a smart match. And consumers who use our product, even though they engage at much higher rates than traditional transparency, they also convert because we know where they're booking. Right. We know what providers our consumers are using. So an employer uses this product and they say, gosh, you know, on average, for example, with Amino, you are 40 times more likely if you use Amino, I'm sorry, 20 times more likely when you use Amino to choose that top tier than if you just went organically out into the web or, or what have you. And why is that? Partially because, you know, there are a lot of doctors out there. It's very easy to trip on the landmine. There are people who are not experienced, even though they have the specialty you need. Sure. There are people who you get referred to who may not be in network. There are people who are in network, but people don't realize they're on the way expensive end of the network. So once you kind of pare that down and pare that down and pare that down, in reality, we all should be using a narrow network, not the kind of capital N, capital N narrow network. Right. But we have a narrow network today if we just choose the right providers inside of our broader network. And Amino has this effect of just really making it easy for people to zoom in on the doctor that's the right one for them and book online. So there really is a a steerage component to the provider search because you're listing the smart matches up top, which are the higher quality, you know, lower cost options within, you know, whatever network the employer is using. Correct. Yep. And whatever geography. One of the cool things about this, Michael, is Let's say you live in Wilkesboro, North Carolina, mm-hmm. or you live in Bakersfield, California, or you know, you're, you're just you know, on a business trip somewhere. Our product works nationally, and a lot of times people don't have access to experts, right? So if you're looking for deep brain stimulation for Parkinson's disease, yeah. we had someone who come in, wrote me a letter actually after they used Amino, because they live in West Texas, and Amino was smart enough to realize there really aren't any good options in West Texas for you. So the map zooms and zooms and zooms until we've got someone for her who's fantastic in New Mexico. And she got an appointment for her husband. Wow. And got him treated by essentially a, an expert, certainly in the Southwest. And that to me is what it's all about, which is just, there's just too many options. Most of us are on wide PPO networks. And I think that's yep. great. I think choice is super important. But the reality is we should have choice, but we should be able to easily make good decisions and so it is about steerage in some ways, except that people don't mind being steered if it's going to be in the best interest of their own wallet and yep. their own safety. Yeah, makes sense. So let's talk a little bit about the component of that smart search. I mean, obviously there's two components. There's the cost and then there's the quality. So, you know, you mentioned you have this enormous database of data. What is the source of that data? Is it from insurance carriers or, you know, 
historical claims data feed from your client base or, or, or somewhere else? All of the above. Part of what we can do is we can actually take in claims data streams from anywhere. So the whole supply chain of healthcare can partner with us. We were the first for-profit company to get all of Medicare's data. So we've got every single claim for every person over 65, which you'd say, well, you know, I'm an employer. But, you know, most of cancer care happens in people over 65. Hmm. And some people who are unemployed, you know, plans get cataract surgery because they've got diabetes. And how are you supposed to make inferences about quality unless you have the most data? Once you zoom in on a given hospital, it doesn't matter how big an employer you are. You can be Walmart. And this is true for Walmart, for example. Sutter Health in San Francisco or, you know, Keck in Los Angeles, they'll maybe see a couple Walmart employees a year because maybe tens of thousands of people are employed in that city that work for Walmart. Sure. And once you drill down into the surgeon or the procedure, you need so much data in order to have a nationally available, comprehensive, and actually quite rich data set that allows you to zoom at the procedure level. Yeah. So we see 230 million Americans anonymized health insurance claims. And that allows us to be able to infer based on what the person down the street or in the cube next to you did when they got their surgery. And that's not only what did they pay, which is obviously very important, but did people your age need this type of care? When people went in, did they get the outcome that they wanted or was there a complication? Were they readmitted? You know, some of the things that we do is we're calculating C-section rates on a risk-adjusted basis at the surgeon Mm -hmm. at the OB level or calculating NICU rates on a risk-adjusted basis at the facility level. And so this data comes from all those sources because it has to be so vast. One of the things that first-generation, you know, silent film transparency vendors got wrong is they thought if they just sold the jewelry box, but their clients put their jewelry in it, Mm -hmm. that there would be enough there to actually support the goals of the client. And for us, we show up not with an empty jewelry box, we show up with the entire jewelry store. So really, it doesn't matter whether it's a 10,000 life employer who has you know tons of claim, historical claims experience or a 100 life employer who may not have access to any claims experience, you have enough data from various sources that based on geography, and who they're with, you will be able to you know, get the appropriate pricing and quality data. That's correct. We have scaled from zero to several hundred organizations, from a couple hundred employees to a couple hundred thousand. All of them have been able to onboard with Amino in less than a month. None of them, basically, unless there was a really unique configuration of some sort or, or integration that they wanted, have paid implementation fees. Yep. So the thought process around Amino is, if it's so hard for consumers to get transparency, why does it also have to be so hard for employers to help those people? And by centralizing the data, by connecting to the insurance plans directly and actually having direct API access to pull you know, the information that we need to support our clients, by integrating their integrated benefits like their telemedicine service or their second sure. opinion service into our platform, we've built a program that scales up and down in terms of number of employees and scales fast for people. So some of the things that we're talking about is how do we embed Amino so easily inside of a broker and consultant's app? How do we embed Amino so much more easily inside of a telemedicine company's app? You know, one of the things that's kind of nuts is that people invest a lot in telemedicine. They're getting low engagement. Yeah, that's fine. We can help boost that engagement. But when they do use telemedicine, 10, 12% of those visits that are virtual end up becoming a referral because you can't get treated the way you need by a virtual doctor. Right, right. Well, where are those referrals going? 
<laughs> and how do we know those are those are high value? So part of what we do is, you know, Amino actually supports and is launching a product soon that's specifically focused on clinicians and mm-hmm. advocacy services. All these folks that also sit there and influence yep. The, yep. the choice of care by a member. Our job is to make sure that people are making smart spending decisions and easy saving decisions. Yep. And that means you can use our app, but also you can use all the myriad services. The data being centralized, Michael, everything being done in the cloud, everything being done in a way that you could instantly turn on allows us to make this product ubiquitous. You mentioned something a second ago about being able to promote telemedicine and, and second opinion services. So for an employer who, who maybe is contracting with a number of different point solutions, and let's just use, you know, let's just say it's, there's a, a diabetes care management program uh, in totally. particular. And so you guys have the ability to kind of integrate that into your platform such that, you know, if an example of a claim or something arises, the app has the ability to highlight that this service, you know, is available to the employee. That's correct. I mean, one of the things that is a problem with the retail healthcare system, right? Like the fact that people don't know about ASCs or about freestanding imaging centers and so on, multiply that by 10 when you start thinking about all the new innovative virtual care providers and disease management programs and, and all of those sorts of things. And it's not a question of whether those are valuable. They are. They actually show that per engaged user, they mm-hmm. deliver value as long as they get someone who's qualified, their program can reduce their A1C, could help them deal with musculoskeletal issues. The challenge is always, how do you catch someone at the right time? That's right. In the right state of mind. And so what we've done is we've created the equivalent of, you know, you see ads in Google, right? AdWords. We basically integrate into Amino's product when someone is searching for rash, nausea, milk allergy, whatever it is that they've got. And they also say, you know, I need care today. I need, a, I need something that could be like walk-in convenience. Then we say, okay, we're not going to give you a dermatologist to see you in two weeks. Do you know you have a telemedicine vendor? Did you know your company is contracted with Teladoc and there's no copay? And we just single sign on, hand them right over to Teladoc. You know, if they ask for something around MSK and the company has hinge health or they've got, you know, another vendor in that space, we can support that. So that ecosystem of benefits that employee has employer has invested in with lots of consultation and research by their benefits consultant and broker helping them curate a nice program. Yep. The member doesn't have a consultant. The member doesn't know no, the no. purpose of these programs, especially once they're two days, three days away from, you know, out of open enrollment. Maybe they got the yep. brochure. That's great. But six months later, they have it. And so one of the things that's cool, Michael, is that we have a thousand search terms on Amino. Everything from, like I said, nausea, rash, the simple stuff, all the way on up to things like acute myeloid leukemia. Half of all keywords that we support have been searched in the past year. Amino is not about pediatric visits and MRIs. Amino actually drives incremental engagement for all of those additional programs because we can find people who are dealing with low back pain and guide them away from getting a meeting with an orthopedic surgeon as their first interface with the healthcare system. And instead, at least get them to look at a virtual physical therapy program or talk to a telemedicine vendor to get them basically looking at something like aspirin and ice, you know, which could be a good first start. So you get the idea. And we talked about the smart search. We talked about the integration capability with with point solutions. I want to go back to the smart match again. When somebody's looking, you know, I mean, there's so many providers out there. What percentage of those providers actually meet the criteria to be a smart match? Oh, so we, the way we think about it is, you know, it, it depends on the topic, right? So some people might be smart matches for wrist surgery, but not necessarily for an ACL repair. Yeah. And then some might be smart matches for United, but not Blue Cross Blue Shield because one's in network and has a good rate with one, but not the other. 
Oh, so okay. It's difficult to answer that question in a universal sense, Michael, but yeah. what, the way that we think about it is if you control for topic and if you control for the network, then the organic market share, meaning the number of patients that a smart match doctor gets because mm -hmm. of the healthcare system, we looked at our 230 million patients. We have the data. Right. So we just go through our population and data and the population data and say, which doctors are high value here and are they actually getting the lion's share of the patients? And the sad part is the answer is no. One out of 50 show up at a smart match provider. One out of 50. And so when you think about the impact of being able to take a product like Amino and put it in front of people that generally speaking will choose a smart match, it's astounding at how much people like the idea of delegating this type of research and seeing, okay, now this, this, this company's you know, really run the numbers. And I feel good about this option. We're even good when we're just double checking the referral you got. You can just pull our app up in the doctor's office and say, hey doc, uh, this guy's not network or that woman's, you know, not really experienced in ACL surgery, I think. So I'd love to. And I'm not surprised that people would delegate because people aren't, this is, this is an area that is, people aren't experts in, right? And it's, yep. it's And they don't want to be. They don't want to be. It's intimidating. So, so I'm, you know, the fact that somebody would, would delegate it, I mean, I certainly would. I think that makes sense. So, so just, it's, it's a random walk out there. One in 50 landed a smart match. The comparison is like you said, Michael, delegate, feel good about the result. The vast majority of people land in a smart match and the yeah. savings and the health improvements all come from just having the right provider who understands how to treat you and how to treat you cost effectively. Let's go back to the, the health savings account. How is that integration with the platform benefit the consumer? Is there a way for employers to leverage that with incentives using smart match providers? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the way, the way that I think about it is you've got an amazing program. If you have a high deductible health plan with an HSA, you just have completely under-optimized it. Mm -hmm. You have this tax-advantaged, amazing container, if you will. Yep. And for the most part, the first generation of HSA vendors are dumb bank accounts. They are your bank debit card. Yep. They kind of go in the back of your wallet. I'd be surprised. I'm sure, you know, Michael, if you reach into your pocket, your HSA card is either not in your wallets in a drawer or it's probably in the very back. There it is. And so all of those HSAs are seen as administrative services. A yes. company is willing to shell out a few bucks, PEPM. And what they do is they say, all right, well, this is you know delivering part of the program. We have to give them an HSA. We're gonna get the benefit of the FICA and the other you know, tax impl implications of HSAs. So I will pay someone to administer the service. Mm -hmm. Boy, is that the wrong way to procure an HSA in our view. And the reason I say that is because that benefits leader, that benefit consultant like you, Michael, is going to go to the next meeting with a telemedicine vendor or an MSK vendor or a disease management vendor and say, you know what? Show me that ROI. I want to know what customers are seeing from having invested in your program. And my only mm -hmm. question for those people that have bought HSAs is what's the ROI of your HSA? <laughs> have you, have you asked that question? Never, never have I asked that. And never have I even thought that there, there should be an ROI because, because to your point, I think the, the industry and employers as a whole have, have seen it as an administrative function. So how should we be thinking about that service? There's a couple ways to think about this. One is if you combine the HSA, well, let me take a step back. 80, 90% of HSAs in the U.S., are basically built on three technology platforms, mostly two actually. Wex Health, Allegis, Health Equity has, has built their own. You know, the majority of HSAs in the US look the same. The majority of people who actually have sold you their HSA haven't built it themselves. Okay. 
They borrowed the technology, they leased the technology. Yep. And so we've rebuilt everything. We've built everything from scratch in 2019. We did not develop on anyone else's technology. And so we've built entirely new models for how do we treat people when they're con contributing? How do we build calculators? How do we actually connect someone to their bank account just by logging into their Bank of America card or their PNC card or the account or their Chase account so that you can do reimbursements out and you can do contributions in? How do we make investing much less about going to some way, you know, complicated brokerage account and they've got stock information, et cetera. I mean, so few people have education about the fact that they can invest. Right. And then once they do, we keep it separate. So we've rebuilt every single component of the core HSA so that it drives three things. Number one, greater employee contribution. We think that employee contribution is key to turning the light bulb on, that this yep. is a retirement vehicle, that this mm -hmm. can grow with them over time. Yep. Number two is actually making sure that when people use our product, we're giving them advice about avoiding over-contribution or being aware that they can contribute after a service or being aware that they've got catch-up contributions. So we've created a set of content and workflows in the product that make it so much easier to engage. So that's number one. Number two is that we don't have any hidden fees. We're not trying to hoard someone's cash. So Amino has flexible investment minimums. Yep. So you can invest at $500 if you want or whatever the employer wants to set it at. Sure. Because we're not a bank. We're not trying to just grow cash so that we can lend it out in mortgages. That's what a lot of banks do. The second thing is that we also don't have any extra fees for statements and for extra cards and other things like that. So our program is built so that there's no hidden fees. There's no transaction fees. There's no limits around how much cash you need before you can get access to investments. Yep. So that's number two. Okay. The third and the most important thing that we do is we combine it with guidance. If you think about most people, they think of their HSA as a spending account. They're not these kind of Wall Street types that max it out and think of it. They don't need to dip into their, uh, their HSAs at all. They need that money or part of that money. What we do is we help them stay wealthier by not blowing it out of network and not going to an overly expensive MRI. And so we connect the HSA balance and the impact of those dollars with also making an appropriate decision today. So for example, if you go to this smart match, in today's dollars, that's worth X. In your retirement dollars, think about the impact of today's decision. Ah, okay. So there's lots of things that we have in our own roadmap that are trying to do what this whole philosophy on high deductible consumer empowerment has had as its vision, which okay. is someone who can finally make decisions today using the information they need today about the impact of that decision both today and tomorrow. And that's where you need both the HSA and guidance. And so let me just visualize this for a second. So, you know, I pull up my app. I'm looking for that uh, knee arth arthroscopy, find a smart match provider. And in the same app, I'm going to be able to know it's going to link up with my HSA balance. Mm -hmm. So it, it Oh, yeah, it's one app. The whole thing is just one app. Right. So it, have, it, kn it knows that Michael Maneri has a $4,000 deductible. It knows that, you know, I've, it's funded and that this is what, if I go to this smart match, this is going to be the impact and it's all there on the app. Yeah. And, and this is, if, if I could spend another hour with you, Michael, on just this topic, I would, because I think it's crazy that in the American healthcare system, HSAs are, have all the wrong incentives. People don't realize this, but HSAs get paid when you swipe and pay with your card. They get one and a half percent of everything you pay. So do you think it's in an HSA's best interest to grow your wealth or to make sure you spend as early and often as you can? That's a misaligned incentive, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. And so what I think is 
nutty about all this. It's like, you know, for example, one of the things that the HSA companies tout as their, as their big, you know, service is that they'll integrate the insurance claims of the insurer. Mm. So that you can have one click payment. You probably know this pretty well, Michael, how many bills have errors or how many bills actually is it better to wait because there's another adjudication coming down the line. There's yep. another discount that's going to be applied. And so this thought of paying as fast as possible on something that where you may not need to pay at all, maybe balance billings illegal in your state. The fact that we do this and our HSA is basically let us send our money out the door as fast as it comes in is really, I think, so anti-consumer. Yeah. And we're, we're trying to change that. So, I mean, really what we're talking about, an integrated platform all in one one app so that so a consumer can see what their balance is, what they're going to pay and how it impacts it. Yeah, exactly. So if you've Perfect. got a thousand, if you've got a thousand person employer, Michael, you basically could purchase Amino for your PPO members. Mm -hmm. They don't have the HSA. That's fine. Then for the HSA folks, they have an additional tab in the app that has all yep. their balances and everything like that. And they get the Amino Visa card in their pocket. Perfect. Let's talk about employee engagement. This is really where the rubber meets the road, right? I mean, you, you can have this great service and the fact that it's steering to high quality, low cost providers. But if, yeah. if, the, if the utilization stays the same as what it has traditionally been, then we're not, we're not really getting better results. So yeah. what is your engagement and, and utilization and what are you guys doing to kind of drive that? Yeah. I mean, on average, our engagement is around 40 to 50%. Our top customer is two thirds, and this is for the digital only solution, right? Two thirds of their employees are actually creating accounts and logging in at least once. Then we've got over half of those people are actually searching for new care. And they're actually using Amino to discover a physician, an imaging center, a hospital, and so forth. So not looking up a doctor by name, but really searching for new care. Yep. When they search, they're searching for half of the thousand keywords. I mean, we search for not just basics. I mean, these are things that could have variation in cost and quality approaching tens of thousands of dollars and possibly with, you know, lives and great amounts of pain at stake. Um, so, so it's not just that basic stuff. We are seeing massive increases in engagement with telemedicine, second opinions and other services. Telemedicine is probably the leading engagement boost that we have. And the reason is because it's a high frequency search term. And it's actually something that you can engage with very easily one-to-one -one from our product. So we have a company that uh, used us that got more engagement in their first month of using Amino than they had the first year with their telemedicine vendor. Not even with us, with our telemedicine vendor, we had a halo yeah. effect. And if you look at what I shared earlier, you know, uh, smart match providers, which is really where you want your people to go. Yep. They're gonna, there's a one in 50 chance out in the, out in the real world that they're going to land there by accident. And it often is by accident. With Amino, that's 15, 20 times more. And so I, I guess my question is more about, you know, I can see that once somebody uses it, right, you know, they're going to probably be repeat users because of the easy. Absolutely. But getting that first incidence of use, I mean, what, what are you doing to kind of market this to, to employees and drive the awareness? Well, know, one of the, I'll tell you screen? what we don't do. I tell you what we don't do is we don't say, hey, if you're looking to price shop for a healthcare <laughs> service, use this website and you're going to have to create an account. And when you get in there, you need to know the CPT code of what you're searching. So make sure to ask your doctor and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah Make yeah. it too hard. Yeah. Consumers. Think about consumers in any walk of life. Yeah. Not only are we busy, I think that's generous. I think we're also lazy. I think we're also just want to do things that are fun. Yeah. And one of the things that we learned at Zillow coming into Amino is Zillow's fun. TripAdvisor, fun. I get to look at you know, videos and photos of the beach. Even things like uh, Expedia or things like CareerBuilder and Glassdoor are fun. I'm thinking about my future. Yeah. Healthcare, we really hinge our product on saving people hard dollars 
saving people and giving them back their time, allowing them to delegate this and giving them delightful convenience. Our product has a net promoter score over 80. And the reason that that's the case is because we let people more easily engage with the healthcare system by making it easier for them not to have to deal with the healthcare system in terms of research, booking, paying. So you're going to get the care you need without any of the other BS. That's what our job is to take care of uh, with Amino. And so from an engagement standpoint, that's a much bigger net to cast. Some of us might be really cost-conscious, research-oriented, digitally native people. And that's really, once you kind of filter that way, that's kind of what we were dealing with, why, you know, 5-10% engaged with traditional first-generation price transparency. But all of us want our time back. All of us hate having to use healthcare and use it only when it's necessary. Yep. And we like good interfaces. We like good products that are easy to access. Yes, we do. We like we, we like the easy button is what we like. That's right. And that's, you know, I, I you know, I, I often think of Amino as trying to deliver kind of Postmates or DoorDash or, or Rocket Mortgage. I mean, we live in a world where from your home mortgage down to your ice cream delivery, you should be able to just, you know, whip around your thumb, literally sitting in your car on your way to work. Well, I guess, you know, stop being you know, on the bus. Don't uh, order your, your ice cream delivery uh, uh, on the highway. But we are in this instant on instant gratification culture. And we're trying to deliver that to healthcare while at the same time making sure that it's not ice cream that we're necessarily delivering. It's actually something far more nutritious and good for your long-term health. Right. (laughs) As far as Amino goes from a growth standpoint, you guys have have been around for a couple of years. How many employers are you currently working with or or employee lives do you have in the book of business right now? Absolutely. Um, Hundreds of thousands of lives, um, several hundred organizations. Like I said, you know, organizations as large as a few hundred thousand people and as small as just a couple hundred. You know, we work primarily with in partnership with the benefits consultant and broker community, especially for those organizations that are 500, 1,000, 2,000 employees. And then we also have some really great relationships with some of the Fortune 500. And they're rolling out our products, you know, pretty aggressively because one of the things that we've been able to witness is that, you know, our product is so easy to implement and it's very quick to see results from mm-hmm. that unlike most healthcare providers, we make sure every sales pitch or conversation pre-implementation has a full demo, like inclusive of their network. I mean, this thing is ready to go. Possibly we can make it so that people could actually get started by handing a credit card over, although that's not how benefits are purchased. Sure. So, you know, our job has been to focus on, can we make sure our product, our experience is so easy to witness its potential and so easy to start to actually experience it for yourself. And so we focused a lot on shrinking that time around implementation and sales time. You know, like I said, the net promoter score is very, very high across all those clients. Um, we work nationally. So we've got clients across Blue Cross Blue Shield, United, Cigna, Aetna, regional plans like Harvard Pilgrim. We've got RAP networks we support like MultiPlan and, and, and the list goes on. There's really no limit or target employer. I mean, really, you know, any, uh, this product, you know, can be a fit for any employer, regardless oh, of the yeah. geography. We've got a fully insured client that's bought our product. We've got a fully insured client that's bought our product and their insurer paid for it. We've got uh, self-insured clients that have, you know, pretty sophisticated teams, uh, tens of people working within the benefits department, including actuaries that, you know, bought our product directly. And then we've got folks that very typically that overwhelmed and, and very hardworking benefits leader who also relies very, very closely on a benefits consultant to really be that HR team for them. So really any of those settings work well for us. I'd say that our product is purchased for three reasons and those those reasons can be different. We've got folks like really exciting tech companies 
sure. that buy our product because it's just a better interface to experience healthcare. You're in, you're out, online booking. Yep. We've got folks who are really trying to reduce their costs and we you know, reduce costs of the medical budget by up to 12%. And then we've got folks who have sophisticated benefits programs of telemedicine, second opinion, disease management, and they're looking for a way to bring that together and lift the engagement on those existing programs. And so depending on who you are, you may weight some of those more or less. Yeah. But if one of those is a concern for you, then we're a good partner. David, if there was one question I should have asked you, but I didn't, what would it be? You got the Trump executive order. You got the Senate Health Committee bill. You got a bunch of things happening in Washington. And the question is, hey, is this going to solve all our problems? And, you know, no. the answer is no. At Zillow, we created a consumer experience that was based on mostly public data. Yep. You could get access to the valuations or at least a lot of data about homes from tax records, sure. from deed filings, from all those sorts of things that have that, have, that, uh, have that information. So, you know, for us, it's always important to keep in mind that consumers don't want data. What they want is an experience and they want to be able to achieve their goals. And if and history is any sort of indication, even if we do force hospitals and insurance companies publish those rates, those will not be consumable in a way that's actionable by one of us, one of the, one of the normal people out there. And so we are super supportive of the Senate health bill. We're super supportive of the, of the executive order because it also includes, you know, increasing eligibility for HSAs and the applicability of HSAs to certain purchases. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I want to make sure everyone's aware of is that that's going to be a multi-year journey. Right. And for most people who work for you, they don't have that much time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I'm, I'm a believer in, in the, uh, in marketplace to, you know, deliver, you know, results and solutions faster than the government can. So I, I think, like I said, I support those, in, those initiatives and we'll see what the results are, but you know, I think you guys are doing something great here. And, you know, I think this has been uh, great for our audience. If anybody does listening to this, who want to learn more about Amino, where do they go? Uh, just go to amino.com. Super easy. Um, yep. You can get a demo uh, right there. You can also email me at david at amino.com. I'm happy to, to, to route it internally as, as, as appropriate based on, on where you are. And, you know, we've got great videos. We've got lots of content. And uh, like I said earlier, we love demoing our product. Um, yep. Demoing our experience gives people a sense for what their healthcare experience could be. And that's always yep. fun for us too. I've done the demo. I think the user experience is, is great. And, you know, I think you guys are, are, are onto something here as, as far as uh, leading the, uh, the second generation of navigation and, and price transparency. And, and uh, to, your, to use your words, you know, you know, helping consumers succeed. Exactly. I appreciate you having me on and thanks so much for the time, Michael. You bet. You bet. Well, on behalf of our listeners, uh, thank you for spending some time with us. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you like what you heard here, please do subscribe to the podcast and share with any of your friends and colleagues who you think would enjoy the show. And with that, we'll sign off wherever you're at. We hope you have a great day and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reconstructing Healthcare. If you like what you heard here, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, please visit us at www.reconstructinghealthcare.com where you can access the show notes for this episode and links to Amino's website and contact information. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Reconstructing Healthcare podcast.